Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope, and we just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is coming back for a second interview. I am the Yusin. We had her on first to talk about her book and the consulting she was doing, Your Classroom or Their Playground, but she wrote another book, people, that was personal, that was that's about love and relationships. And I wanted to have her on because I started reading it and I was like, ooh, this is kind of personal here. And I wanted to talk, overall talk about relationships as it related to the book, but then also get her like, why? Well, she is an educator in a public institution. Uh, share things about herself that her, you know, some colleagues or school administrators may sort of read and go, hmm, about. I share some things, and sometimes I share stuff on the podcast, and I wonder, will this get me fired? Uh, but <laughs> I'm just saying, we're going to get into this because I'm really excited about it because after we do this, you got to go buy the book. you got to read it and get you some game. Uh, so for those who will listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself again, Iantha? <laughs> it's so good to be back, Dr. Will. You know, I love chopping it up with you, okay? Uh, but again, he said, my name is Iantha Yusin. I am an educator, author, editor, and entrepreneur. So um, I'm a New Orleans native, I've been living in Georgia for almost 19 years, and uh, we're here to talk about book number two. Mm. He wasn't it either. I'm excited about it. Thank you, Dr. Will. You are welcome. You, I don't know how you take up Georgia from New Orleans. I, I'm, if I got to choose one, I know what I'm choosing. It ain't Georgia. We, we, <laughs> anybody who listens to the podcast knows how much you love New Orleans. <laughs> we're choosing. And ISTE is in New Orleans this summer. Okay. Oh my goodness! I'm so excited about it. Woo! Thank you, school district, for paying. No for question, it. you're going. No question. Oh yes, you're yes. Going. <laughs> inshallah, inshallah. So, how did you discover that you were a writer? Because you, you, you know, you wrote the first one. Here's the second one. And what is your process like for figuring out your voice? I actually discovered that I was a writer in second grade. And this is going to sound weird because you, you hear that from singers and everything. Well, I, I was singing since I was five and this and that and that. But no, I wrote an entire story in second grade. There is a little story behind it, too. My teacher would get mad at us if we were out of control, talking too much, making too much noise, doing whatever. And she would have us put our heads down. She would turn the lights off. OK, we would put our heads down on the desk for however long. Sometimes it felt like hours. And I'm sure it probably was an hour one of those times. But this day was extremely long. I put my head down and I couldn't, I just could not keep my head down that long. So I went inside my desk. You remember those desks that used to have a little inside portion? I pulled my paper out and my pencil and I wrote what was in my head. And that turned into an entire story beginning to end. It was titled The Little New Red Car. All those adjectives, The Little New Red Car. I wrote the entire story. And my dad still has it. It's about three or four pages, front and back, written in pencil on loose leaf paper. My dad still has it. He was so impressed. He said, you got all your characters here. You have quotations. You have all. So in second grade, I knew that I had a different love, a different affinity for words. I like putting words together and see them work. And so... At this stage and age, naturally, I've gone through so much schooling. I've written so many papers. I've only grown. It's just been nurtured throughout the years. Um, and in the editing space, I cannot stand to see anything misspelled. <laughs> Nothing. If I see anything misspelled, I'm trying to write somebody and say, hey, you have this, you, this error in your magazine, but this is that. I did all that, okay? Well, my friends used to write me letters in high school and junior high, you know, used to pass notes in the hallway. I would get notes from my friends and I would edit them first and then write my response and pass it back to them in the hallway between classes. 
that's what I would do. So I've, you know, since second grade, I've known that I was a writer, that I had a love for words. And naturally, when I have something to say is when I write a book. So mm. that's how that is. <laughs> All right. Now, people, get ready. Get ready. So, <laughs> generally speaking, the educators I know write books that are related to their educational practice. Where did the idea come for you to actually write a book about romantic relationships? All right. So I couldn't wait to get to this part of it because, Dr. Will, I think you got it just a little bit twisted. See, because you met me in the education space, there's an assumption that my first book was my education book, Your Classroom or Their Playground. That is actually book number three for me. So I wrote He Wasn't It Either as my second book. My first book was a a devotional for girls, stories that teach girls. Then He Wasn't It Either. So for people who meet me in the education space, it may be a little bit weird. But what what I want people to understand is we are not one dimensional people. I am an educator, but I am also a human being who had a life and has a life and things have happened. And there are things from my life that can help others. And that's how he wasn't it either came about. It was, again, I've had people to say, I think you should be a full-time author. And there's something that's something that I probably could do, but I do not feel compelled to write until there is something burning within me to help someone else. So every book that I've written has been for that reason. He wasn't it either. And let me tell you something. I did not want to bear my soul, Dr. Will. Okay. I did not want it all to be hanging out. But there was a a divine call within me to share my relationships, detail them. And I'm not somebody who had a whole bunch of them. I am not that chick. Okay. I can count on one hand, because all of them are in that book, all five of the relationships that I've had from high school into adulthood, there they are right there in the book. That's my whole story. But I knew that I was supposed to detail them and tell the lessons I learned from every one of them. And that's for any woman who is, you know, may come across something that I, or is in something like I was in, I need them to understand how to get out and how to do it right. That's really what that book is all about. Do it right. Cause I didn't do it right. Okay, so I, wh- what is the who? <laughs> All right, people. Uh, what is the essential? Uh, what would you say is the essential pain point of the book? And being that you are an educator, and you and you said it that you wrote this before, but being that you are such a public figure as an educational consultant, many people who are meeting you, they don't know that, mm-hmm. right? They know this part of you. Uh, why write the book in terms of putting your public self out there? Because as you know, in the education space, we we are different type of group. Mm-hmm. We're a different type <laughs> of group. And, and folks, don't get mad at me when I say this, but it, but look, don't get no educators together at no conference and, and see how we start to talk about everything going on. Uh, and there's certain stuff that I tell the educators don't get caught on camera. You grown, but don't get caught on camera doing what I see you doing uh, right now. But for you to chronicle your life in this way and put it out there, how did you? even feel comfortable doing that well well you know i've shared this with you before and i may be sharing it with listeners for the first time but i'm a woman of god first before anything else and my life is not my own and i live that with every inch of my being it is not my own and you probably have heard this saying before that a lot of times when we go through things it's not for ourselves It's not for us. It's so we can help someone else, you know, along the way. And it doesn't feel like that, like that when you're in the process and when things are happening, but hindsight shows you, you know what, I can help someone else with this. And I don't, you know, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound crass when I say, I really don't care. 
about what people may think about the relationships that I was in or, um, or, you know, what this may look like or what it, at someone's life is going to be changed based upon what I wrote. And that gives me peace. That gives me, I can sleep at night. Now, I, I'm not going to say that it was easy to make the decision to write this because I had to contact people who are mentioned in the book. Of course, their names are changed and all that stuff. But there are people who knew me at that point in my life. They've read the book. I had to know that people we went to school, we were going to read this. I had to know that their parents might read. I had to know my parents were going to read it. After. Well, I had to know. And but at the end of the day, all I ever want is what God wants for me. I want his will to be done in my life. And if that means I've got to lay down my personal feelings about what I went through so that someone else can benefit from it. I am going to do that. And all of the fear that I had before, again, for just, it took me, let me say this. My first book took me nine months to write and publish. Nine months from beginning to end. He wasn't it either. This book we're talking about took me six years mm. because of the pain, because of having to revisit those places, because of having to contact those people. Having, you know, with my team, having to have conversations with my editor for sure about, you know, the media law, making sure we're not, you know, all of that stuff. It was a lot. And if I went through all of that, I am not concerned about what anyone thinks because I know this is for somebody else and I don't matter. Mm. So you opened the book with Puppy Love. Uh, how did your experience with Puppy Love impact how you would see yourself in future relationships? Oh, my goodness. Puppy Love, for those who haven't read yet, is the my, my relationship with my high school sweetheart. Okay. And, you know, in high school, you really do think you're in love. You do, you do, you do, you do. And it's your first experiences with mostly everything. You know, you, they come to visit your house and spend time with your family and you go to visit their house and, you know, you do holidays with them, all that stuff. But I found when it was time, when we graduated from high school, I went away to school five hours away. He stayed back home in the city. And of course, going to college, even if it's right down the street, from from home i'm gonna be different when i'm on that college campus okay i'm about to meet new people do new things new experiences all of that and that's what was happening i became a new woman if you will um i grew up in that one year the first quarter we were on the quarter system at louisiana tech um so let me just say the first semester i, I changed and there were things with us being hours and hours, we weren't seeing each other. We weren't talking all the time. And when I saw him for the first time, like the first break, I mean, it was like, we were totally different, two different worlds. We didn't want the same things. I knew going to school that I was, graduation was the goal. I've always been that way. I'm going to do great things with my life and not saying that he is not doing great things with his, but at that time, he was not going after things like I was. And so what that taught me was if I'm going to be in relationship with anybody, we've got to be goal minded. And it may be even the single mindedness for a goal. We might want to agree on that. If we're not at least going after the same thing, you've got to be going after something. You know, it began to feel like dead weight, mm. you know trying to make sure he was okay and trying to uh, encourage him to do things and push it, like pushing it. No, I'm, of that. We got, I'm doing my own life over here, you know? And so that taught me to look for that in every relationship thereafter. Are we mm -hmm. going after something? Are you, do you have ambitions? Do you have goals, dreams, things you're working on? Because if you don't, we're not going to work. Because, mm. yeah, because I was interested in reading the book. You were talking about how, look, I, these are my goals for my life. I'm striving to go here. And you were saying, like, well, he wasn't necessarily focused on the future in that same way. And when you look at people where sometimes folks, they own potential. All right. Where they see 
something special in someone. And they're like, this person can be great. And they get in this loop of trying to pull that out of them. And that can bring on resentment and frustration because you're out here doing it and you see that they have it, but they're not doing anything. Um, Because this is one of the the things that really kind of stopped me from watching Insecure. But I'm going to bring this in. When Issa got (laughs) upset with Lawrence because he was at the house. Is she out there? She's like, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. at the time, you know, he just wasn't doing what she thought he was capable of doing or should be doing. Right? Mm-hmm. So how should individuals, and, I, I'm, and I'm going to say this, uh, you, you as a woman from your perspective, when you meet someone and you're, and you're, having that conversation with them and you know, you may be working on a doctorate or you know that you're launching this business or you're doing something because you have set these milestones in your life that you want to accomplish. And this person is like, well, I'm okay. I mean, they could have a good job, but they don't have any certain goals. They don't have things that they're striving for. They're just like, um, they're content with where they are. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that if you are such a goal-driven individual? I can tell you, and only personally, and then I'll speak to general. I'll speak personally first. <sighs> Dr. Well, it don't take me but maybe a few conversations <laughs> to know if this gonna go anywhere or not, okay? Because I believe in that, you know, a, a marriage relationship, I'm gonna go all the way to that because if you if we're dating, what, 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 what are we doing if we're dating? Are we trying to determine if this is going to be for the long haul? Relationship means oneness. And it means that there should be something always that we're working toward. As, as our end goal, we should always be working towards something as a unit. Mm-hmm. I know in my singleness, I'm always working towards something that my life has purpose. And so I'm not trying to get in a relationship with anyone that I cannot join in purpose with. That's going to be my purpose partner. I've heard that terminology before. That's who we're, we're going to be purposeful because there are going to be moments when love ain't going to be there. And there are going to be moments when I just don't like you and you're not going to like me. But we know that we're together for purpose. We have things that we're doing, you know, and for me, it's going to be for the kingdom. We're kingdom builders. And so if there's there's something that we're set on at all times, knowing that we're together because there's a greater purpose, there's a bigger picture. I can get over the days that I just am not feeling you. (laughs) because I know that we are driven toward the same thing. So I would say that for anyone who's listening, you know, you come across someone, you, sis, I'm telling you that you're going to be frustrated. I got frustrated in puppy love. Then when we get to the one, which I'm thinking we're going to talk about, I'm sure Mm -hmm. when I get to him, I'm frustrated because we ain't on the same page spiritually. Great guy. But spiritually, we ain't on the same page. And you know, that's weight. Then I get to, you know, the next one. And it's, we just, we're not, none of them worked because we were not on the same page. There's a a scripture in the word that says, how can two walk together except they agree? That doesn't just apply in the Christian world. That applies in the world, period. If you're working on a project at work, how can two walk together except they agree? I can't be going to the left and you going to the right then we're never going to make it forward. Mm. So I would just say that if, if you're not purpose-minded and like-minded in your goals, it's just not going to work. You'll be frustrated. Mm. Mm. I just find it interesting. Now, what, I don't know if people know this, but I wanted to be a therapist <laughs> until I found out that therapy is a process. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm a fixer. Okay, I got you. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Right, yeah. I'm a fixer. So I, I I can't work in a process with people in that in that manner. So that killed my dreams of being a therapist. But I've always been fascinated 
you know, by relationships. And when I watch some of these uh, shows on TV about people trying to find love, I often look at them and I kind of go, do you know what you're looking for? Like you say you do, but do you? Because your actions telling me that you don't know what you are looking for. And you're not asking these people certain questions because for me, like as, as a Muslim in our faith, we ain't supposed to have like, boyfriend girlfriend in the traditional sense it's you meet someone for the purpose of marriage you meet someone from yes. the purpose of building towards marriage and people are are they, they doing all kind of shacking and all kind of stuff yeah. g- g- going on and i would tell folk and boy i'm gonna get in trouble from this podcast i'm i'm gonna get in trouble but i would tell yeah. you as a man and we're gonna we are going to we are gonna get we're going to this book, but I digress. But I'll tell any woman, don't wife up if you ain't a wife. Oh, come on, come on now. Right. And what I mean by that is don't pay his bills. Not look, if the brother hit a little low, you might need to do a little, little gas money or something. I ain't got no problem with that. But what I'm talking about, don't pay his bills, don't be cooking for him every night. Don't be washing his clothes. Don't be ironing his clothes. Don't be doing all this stuff that, to me, and I'm not saying it's expected of a wife to do, but some, you know, wives will do. Yeah. Don't be doing that if you ain't got the name and the legal, okay, the legal, <laughs> uh, the legality of being a wife because guess what? You ain't gonna be one. He's not going to, what's that saying? <laughs> Why buy the cow when I can get the milk for free? That's He's he not gonna do that. So when I see these shows <laughs> like, we've been engaged, no, we've been dating for seven years. He need to put a ring on and I'm like, girl, <laughs> <laughs> he already see you where you are right now. Yeah. He's not seeing Nothing else. Now, again, I done said something that probably gonna get me in trouble when people Dang. listen Ain't gonna to get the, you in trouble. You, in the episode. You, can, you can blame it on me. You can blame it on <laughs> me. You said that because it was kind of in the, in the text of the book. Okay. 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 So <laughs> we get to the one. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm loving this. Uh, so tell us about the one and what did you learn from that experience? Well, the one, I was very careful in titling it. I had to give it something so people would know that that was the one. That was the love of my life. And here I am in college and, you know, just <laughs> there's a there's a point in your life where you begin to, to learn how you love. You know, I didn't know that with puppy love because it was that puppy love. I like him. He like me. I wear his jacket. You know, he wear my my uh, my ring on his pinky finger. You know, we go to the dances together, that kind of stuff. But in college, you're on your own. You're beginning to really figure out who you are. And if you're going to be with somebody, you got to learn how you love. And I am the youngest of three children, spoiled rotten, not going to lie. I was the only one in the house for a long time. And so everything was coming to me from my parents. They had no else to give to, nobody else to give it to, you know? And so it was, I, I didn't have to work for stuff and everything was always yes. And I got to college and learned, ooh, <laughs> they ain't gonna always work. And I was, I was Iantha focused because I was the only child in the house. I had to learn to be more people focused when I got outside of the house. And so- I learned with him that when you love someone, you put yourself aside. You put yourself aside. I I began to want things for him more than I wanted them for myself. I wanted to see him successful. I wanted to, if he was hungry, I wanted to cook. Now I'm with you on that though. I wasn't doing a whole bunch of cooking because I was still learning in college too. So as I was learning a few little things, I might share that with him, but he won't come in all over all the time. We cook, I would cook. No, but there, there were things that I was doing that showed me when you love someone, their needs and, and their desires sometimes come before your own. And I gave so much of myself to him because he gave a lot of himself to me. If we were, and I tell people this all the time, 
if he and I were together spiritually, we would have been married. That's where we were. It was a very hard breakup because he could not understand um, that I was, you know, I got saved my freshman year in college. I gave my life to the Lord. And I mean, things became, it was instantaneous. My growth was instantaneous. I started reading the word of God and it changed me. Um, and I went hard for it. And that wasn't happening with him. And it was a, it was the hardest, pull. I, I couldn't figure out if I wanted to be with him, if I wanted to do this, if I wanted to do that. And it got to a place where I couldn't do both. I just couldn't do both. And no matter how much I loved him and it was hard, I had to break away because we were not, we were not going the same way. By then I had learned so many lessons though. Like you, like your question said, what did I learn from it? I learned how to love in that relationship. I learned what a love is going to look like for my husband. I learned what a love is going to look like even for my children. I put myself to the side for someone else. Mm. So some may ask, why not wait for him to get there spiritually? Mm -hmm. And that was tough too. It was tough because there were, I, because I was learning too, because I was new to the faith, there were moments where I felt like I was being such a poor example. And, you know, I battled with that. I, you know, if this is what a Christian is supposed to look like, I thought, why are you still doing this? You know, and why are you, you know, one day you're like this and one day, because I was, I was shedding old skin myself. And I felt like I was such a poor example before him. And I was making Christianity look a fool because I was still stumbling, trying to figure things out, you know, and not that that ever stops. We're always progressing, always growing, always needing forgiveness, always going to be walking under grace. But I didn't understand that. I thought that I needed to be perfect. I thought that, you know, he needed to be exactly how I was if we were going to work. It was just immature so, so fresh into not having grown, not having been there long enough to really understand. Um, I'm still not at a place in my life, Dr. Will, where I want to be raising nobody spiritually, not less, less, you know, but I'm, I'm more mature now to understand that I meet people where they are and I can determine from there if I want to continue or not. The hard part was that he and I had been in a relationship for a very long time before I really grew before I really began to feel God's call on my heart, before I really started getting very clear assignments from the Lord on what to do with my life, he and I were already in a relationship. And so it just made it so, so hard. Yeah, but but it was, it was the immaturity. For somebody who's saying, you know, why not wait around for them? You determine at the point where you are, just like I said before, will we be able to, if I see progression, is it real progression or is it just because I want it to be? Mm. You, you, you come into church and doing stuff just because I want you to. Because it was a lot of that going on too. And it was frustrating. You don't really want this. And I can't be connected to you if I'm going to be doing this and you're going to be doing that. So mm. so you also write, ab write about the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? And what was your greatest takeaway from that relationship? My God, today, Dr. Will, let me tell you something. It was the easiest chapter to write. I laughed so much writing that chapter, okay? Because he truly was rebound. It was, I was so heartbroken from the one, I didn't even, re I didn't even know what I was doing. My time with rebound was, I was like in the twilight zone. Everything just felt so... Now, I was so nonchalant. Everything just felt so blasé. Everything was robotic. It's, I was just falling into stuff. If he said we was going to get married, I was like, all right. He was like, let's go look at rings. I'm like, all right. You know, it was, I mean, and I wasn't even physically attracted to him. He loved God, but there was nothing else there. I keep getting all this stuff. Puppy love. We weren't together. Couldn't figure it out. He, I was growing. He wasn't. The one spiritually we weren't together. Then rebound, I was excited that he loved God, but there was nothing else there. What kind of cereal do you like? We ain't even talk about that kind of stuff. You know, do you have any, what's, what's your hobbies? What's your, we looked good on paper. Mm -hmm. We looked good on paper. She loved God. He loved God. She running a Bible study on her campus. He running a Bible study on her campus. 
on his campus, you know, that kind of stuff. But we just, ah, oh, there was no, no chemistry whatsoever. But because I was hurt and I couldn't see that then, no, no sooner than I was out of the relationship with the one, here comes rebound. He wanted to holler. So I was like, all right. And I fell right into a relationship. Hadn't healed, hadn't dealt with the hurt, hadn't taken time to just be by myself for a while. It was straight up rebound, Dr. Will. There was nothing there. And this was a friend, you know? So I'm glad we still have somewhat of a friendship. He's married and, you know, he has his own life and everything. But I know that there's no hard feelings, no none of that. It was, we could probably laugh about it because it was just like, what the heck is this? What are we doing? But he was talking marriage. Mm. He did go into the gathering. (laughs) Okay, now. But how do people avoid the mistake of the rebound because there are certain there are some people who they collect relationships like some people collect cups it's like they they, i'm just being honest with you they just keep they break up and they write back in one break up they write back in one and there isn't the time to sit back and reevaluate or heal if necessary uh just to be able to go be by yourself and Mm -hmm. go is this what i want in the next relationship or what do I want in the next relationship? How do I bring myself into the relationship differently than I was before? And people, some people don't do that. Cause again, they're just like, boom, 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 boom. Or like yours, it was just like, okay, boom, I'm here. And here I am again. Uh, how do people avoid that mistake of not just I'm popping back in because I'm feeling this way now. And some people may do it just to get out of the hurt or whatever reasons that may happen, but they're here they go. They find themselves again with someone. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's a good question because it kind of, it connects to the last question you asked me, what's the biggest thing I learned? And that is the biggest thing I learned from rebound is that you need that time. The lessons, the way that the book is set up is I tell the story of the relationship and then there's a section after each relationship where I give, you know, eight or 10 lessons that I learned. The very first one after rebound is you need time to heal. And I give this example. I give the example of a wound. You, you Let's say you, you know, were sliced pretty deeply in your arm and it takes time for that to heal. But sometimes we can look at the, the, the scar and see that it's almost there, but not quite. And we can do something else to it that causes it to open up again when it was almost just done healing. I give that example with relationships. You know, when I left with the one, it was an open wound. There were things that I didn't even know I needed to process. And then here this is, the wound is is healing, but here comes rebound and boom, open it up further than it was. And then I had to process twice. You know, the one and rebound, because even if I didn't feel a connection to him, there were still things that we shared, you know, there were still things. And again, that was a friend. So we had a different kind of relationship. I had to process all that. So I would say this, what I've learned is take your time. And I would say, spend time with the ones who love you and know you well. Spend lots of time with them. Talk through it. People who are going to allow you to talk and people who know you well because they can tell when you're not okay. When you get out of a relationship is not the time to isolate yourself from others. It's not, it's not a time to be ostracized. You actually need to be with people who can see you and they need to be able to call it out because they can tell you you're not ready for someone else. It's important. We need each other in this life. And so that would be my advice. Do not jump right into another relationship. Even if you think it was, you're not ready. Take time. Spend time with you and spend time with people who know you well. Mm. All right. Pick that up, people. Don't tip it. She's dropping gems today. So, you know, in your book, you write about standards, right? And everyone, men and women, uh, from time to time, you know, may or may not lower their standards to get with someone for any number of reasons. But I want to know what is the difference between a standard 
versus a list of stuff that sometimes people may say, you know, what do you want in a relationship? And they may have like, like 15 items on that thing, but they may not be a standard. So what's the difference between the two? Oh, Dr. Well, why are you going to bring up this hell list? I don't know who started that in our world. Who started that in America? With ladies, you need a list of things that you want for your man and this and that. And look, there is nothing wrong with going in knowing, because that's just anything we do. You know what you want when you're ready to buy a house. You, I want a white kitchen. I want this. I, want, I mean, come on. We know there are some things that we want. But a list essentially is just that. It is a list. You can want him to be 6'1". What if the one who treats you like you actually want to be treated, when we get to the hard things and the standard of who you are, he ain't 6'1". Then what? You know what I'm saying? So I would say have a list. Yes, definitely. We all know what we want, okay? But the standard is different because, again, it needs to be someone who you can see yourself doing life with. Why would you waste time? And Dr. Will, you talked about it earlier. Well, I'm not finna be engaged no seven years. Are you crazy? What are, what are we doing? We, we not in, this is not elementary school. We're not playing on the playground, okay? We're wasting time is what we're doing. So let's, let's talk about what it is that we want out of life. Because a list, may, the things on your list may not match what's happening with the fellow who got what you want out of life. Mm. And we don't need to be, kept, you know, shooting nobody down just because he don't drive a Ferrari or whatever the car is now. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So a list essentially is that. It's a list. But we need to be looking at the standard for life purpose. Mm. We want to have someone for purpose. Mm. I hear that, you know, Lord, they're gonna cancel me on Twitter. Um, when when I hear you talk about those things, it sort of reminds me of when they talk about the the nice guy who may have certain qualities of a lifetime, but he might not be exciting to someone. Now I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say who you need to be with or who you don't need to be with. But when you talk about these list of things versus, okay, these are sort of standards or, or real life qualities that I want in a mate. Sometimes it's like a cognitive dissonance or something going on because, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, I ain't gonna say too much because <laughs> People go listen to the podcast. I'm serious. I still want to have friends. I still have friends. You will have friends. I will say this because I can tell where you were going. What we need to remember is this. People do change. People mm-hmm. change. You've been married a while, Dr. Will. People change. And that's another reason that we need not be so fixed on a list because I want him to, you know, have a six pack, do this, do that. That six pack gonna change out of what I say. He ain't gonna always have a six pack, Okay. And if you're trying to do long-term life with him, you need to be ready for him to change. We're going to be changing until the day we die. The person you married today is not going to be the same person in five years. But I can tell you one thing that's not going to change. The foundation of who they are. Mm. That's not going to change. And that's what we should be looking for. We decided that this is our prime focus that this is our pur- this is our purpose for this thing. So even if I put on ten pounds, it doesn't change me. It changes my physical appearance, but it does not change me. You know, we'll have different, you know, um, likes and dislikes, and my even my taste buds may change, but it does not change me. Mm. I hear, you, I hear, you. and people need to. Go in knowing that there will be growth and evolution in the individual and in the relationship. Like some folks, they get all hyped up about the wedding day, but don't think about the lifetime. And I can tell you right now, in June, June 4th, inshallah, it'll be 19 years of marriage with me and my wife. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can tell you right now, my wife is nowhere near the person she was then. Uh, you know, because she, even like, she's more assertive. 
now, right? And and uh, I'm cool. You know, I don't ever go, but hey, you know what? You know, you, the person I met, <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, but, you know, I admire the person she is. And I don't even, I, one time, one day I was just sitting back and hit me like, okay, my wife kind of, she's a little rolling a little different. And I don't even remember just seeing sort of the, the evolution of who, who she is now. Uh, we've just been in this this life game together. And yeah. just, you know, just seeing, you know, just going as, as thing goes. Uh, but I, I think people need to leave room for that, right? You, you, especially if you're saying, oh, I married somebody, you know, at 23, 25, and now you're 50. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know why you expect that person to be the same person. Exactly. Exactly. And you can, and you've been, you were able to leave room for her because you've watched life happen together. You know, life changes the way we view things. You know, like you said, we evolve based on how life happens. And she's been able to give you the same, you know, um, that same cushion, if you will, because y'all been watching life happen with each other. Yes. I, she knows I'm, I'm a lot more lazier now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, hell, she'll tell me, she'll tell me. Uh, so how will women know if okay. he wasn't it either you know how people say when you meet the one you know he the one and the same is true i i have a quote in the book i put it on my bookmarks for the book it says you know when you know what you know Mm. every woman you know when you know what you know don't try to dress it up don't try to fix it. Don't try to compensate for things that you see happen, period. You know when you know what you know. Don't ignore it. You know, um, that happened in The Secret. That's one of the brothers in the book. The Secret. Why did I title it The Secret? Because I was his secret. And I knew what I knew. And I knew that I knew it but I was ignoring stuff. Don't do that. You know, when you know what you know, and every woman knows. And like I said earlier, I can tell from, look, I'm because I went through those relationships, oh girl, ain't got time for nothing. Okay. I'm telling you a few conversations after I've talked to a guy, I already know what's up and I'm not wasting time. Could this ain't it, <laughs> you know, he ain't it. This ain't going nowhere. From the moment some of them open their mouth, I already know. You and I, we don't, we don't roll, we don't roll the same. This ain't gonna work. You know when you know what you know, and don't ignore it. Mm. Y'all didn't want to go there with a the secret, but thank you. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, I told you it's in, it's in print now. I will talk about anything in that book because it's in print. It's been gone across the world. Is look, it is what it is, and somebody needs to hear. Woo! That is a there's a woman right now on uh put a ring on the second season. She's like telling the dude, like, why you ain't introducing me to your mama as your girlfriend? And he's like, mm. you know, he even said, why is that a me problem? Mm. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that's where you be watching all the shows. <laughs> you know, I got to do something. But but I, I'm just, I, I just, I love watching about relationships and hearing about them. Like I said, I wanted to be a therapist. It's just that I cannot do process. I, I, I like to see a problem and go fix it. I don't want to go, okay, we're, we're going to walk through this thing. Forever, however long it's gonna take us to get there. I don't have the patience for that. I would be I a te- I'd be a terrible therapist. Self-awareness is key. I'm glad you know that about you. I, I had to learn. <laughs> I've been telling someone, just get out. <laughs> Single, get out. I mean, that's not for me to say. You know what I'm saying? So I couldn't do I, yeah, I, I would be literally be a terrible therapist. So I became an educator. Got so you. I could have a little more leeway to fix uh, stuff. I don't, 
I don't have patience with singles, believe it or not. I, I, I'm like you in that I'm extremely self-aware. A lot of people do not. I don't understand how you don't know who you are, but I get it. Sometimes we have to figure that out, but I'm extremely self-aware. And I get frustrated with singles ministries and singles conferences and all that stuff because usually when singles get together, they get to whine Mm. about, oh, woe is me. And I just want to be married tomorrow. And why, why, why? And, you know, you need to be doing this to get ready for your husband. And you need to be doing this to get ready for your husband. I'm just like, first of all, what are you supposed to be doing with your own life? focus on you and if you're busy doing what you need to do you're probably gonna run into who you're supposed to be that's me like shut up all that whining okay just do what you're supposed to be doing why are you stopping your life waiting around for some why is marriage the goal is that is is it gonna be over after you get married like i can't i can't deal with that so every time that i've been asked to lead a singles anything i'm like you don't want me to do that because i'm gonna be a little harsh with the people stop all that whining okay (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> i am uh before we go <laughs> what is your advice to those educators who they're interested in writing a book about life or anything outside of education but they're concerned what the principal may say the superintendent may say even parents of their own children or their uh parents of their children in their, in a classroom room may say when that book comes out because that book can be anything relationship books such as yourself or something else i just tell the educators don't i say with folks just you're an adult and as an adult you are able to do certain things but be okay <laughs> but be okay with the blowback you know just like if you like several years ago this teacher got in trouble because she was in Cabo or Mexico or somewhere and got to this twerk contest and someone videotaped it and it found its way back to her school district oh my now as an adult perfectly old enough to do whatever she wants to do with herself Right. <laughs> right. But you got to understand when it comes to your job, you still have to have a certain type of image. So in talking to educators about you want to write a book or you want to do a documentary or, or video series or anything that has absolutely nothing to do with your edu- your day job, your skill as an educator, what do you say to them to to allow them to pursue it? And get over the fear of what people in their community may say. All right, I'm going to start with this. If you don't have peace, don't do it. I'm going to start with that. Because I always go on my peace with any decision I have to make. If I don't have peace, I don't make the decision until I have some. And if I never get peace, I leave that alone. So I will say that if you don't have peace, there's something that's, that's your barometer. It's your measuring stick. No peace, no move, okay? Mm. (laughs) But if you are at a place where you want to talk about another part of who you are, we are not, I'll say it again, we are not one-dimensional people. We are Mm -hmm. not. You know, I would hate for you not to share with the world what you know about gardening. And I know that ain't taboo or anything, you know, but (laughs) it's you're, you're a gardener as well. You can help someone with that. Put that book out there. If, in fact, you decide to write a memoir like I did, I decided because memoirs are subject based, I decided to write a relationship memoir. If you decide to do that, you get over it by being okay with it yourself. I don't care who the superintendent could come to me today and ask me about that book. Sure, I'm an educator, but I'm also a woman who walked through relationships that would like other women not to have to walk through themselves. And I'm going to write about that. You know, my next book is going to be for another book for girls. I'm not going to not write the book because I'm an educator. So I would just encourage people, 
you are more than just an educator. And if you have something to say, that's why we live in the great US of A. Say it. Someone needs what you have. Mm. All right. All right. I'll be like, look up tomorrow and be like, your follow list down <laughs> 5,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to love you, Dr. Will. Okay? Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, I hope people, you know, again, find some entertainment in this episode, but some gems uh, as well. I, I think, um, you know, we just got to laugh, learn, and love, but be, but be intentional about some stuff because... You know, you you talk about your faith. And for me, you know, that's my thing. And it's hard to kind of talk to folks sometimes because that's not their frame of reference of how they should sort of conduct themselves. And I'm just saying, like, you know, you can't you can't be out here. You can't, you can't, you can't just be out here. Okay, I'm gonna go before I really get myself in trouble. Uh, I am. Wish people could see, I wish people could see your face. I just wish they could see your face. <laughs> I can't go where I want to go because I'm telling you, I know folks are gonna be. Ooh, they're gonna be upset. Um, they really go. They, they, they're gonna be upset because some people will say that my views are too traditional or out of date or not relevant for this society, but they are grounded in my faith, you know, and there's just certain things, you know, I believe as you believe um, that we should not uh, be doing and certain things that we should be doing in terms of building towards something. Uh, I think that is the best way to conduct uh, yourself. Uh, I don't, certain things I don't, you know, put myself out there because I know they coming. They coming. And I don't want nobody to come for me. I don't want nobody to come for me, people. I love y'all. I love y'all. Uh, so thank you, Anthony, for coming on and spending uh, some more time with me. I appreciate it. It's been a joy. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Simplecast, Stitcher, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and share with your friends. People, you're gonna have a hoot listening to this podcast. So go ahead, go ahead, give me some stars and give me some reviews because not only am I trying to be found, but I'm trying to get Oprah on the show because I want to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I like to thank my guest. I Anthony Houston for coming on and dropping so many gems and sharing her journey. And don't and not only buy this book, but be sure to buy your classroom or their playground. Check out that episode as well. Support her. She's doing amazing work. And I'd like to thank you again for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show, the Mobile University of Entrepreneurs. As always, people, invest in you, EDU. Peace. <laughs>